Welcome to the Academy of Esports podcast, episode one. My name is James O'Hagan, and I'm the host of this podcast. This is the first episode of this podcast, and starting a podcast is sometimes a scary thing and can be a little intimidating, but I've spoken a lot about esports in the last few years, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback, and um, I really feel that it's important that we start to look at how esports can impact schools in a very positive way. And so it is with that that I decided to start actually focusing in a lot on the ideas and the research around esports and how it relates to education. And not just education in the sense of let's have a team at our school, but what broader based impacts can we have with esports in schools? So while lately it seems that there's been a lot of questions and news about what are esports and what does it mean for the rest of the world, and colleges are getting involved with esports, and you may even have a team at one of your high schools in your area, you may not fully understand what that all means and what the broader implications are for esports in your schools. So hopefully I'm going to take you through uh, in this podcast and try to break down and analyze and look critically and thoughtfully at how esports is going to impact us in education. So you may say, well, who are you to speak on such things? Well, my name is James and uh, I live in Racine, Wisconsin, and I'm currently the director of digital and virtual learning for the Racine Unified School District. Our school district currently has one esports team that focuses on the game League of Legends. Um, I'm also, uh, in the past, I've been an elementary school teacher where I worked with uh, fourth and fifth grade students. Um, I've been a administrator at various levels, including a principal at an alternative high school in Rockford, Illinois. Um, I've been a tech director for several school districts. Um, I've also served on various boards, including uh, overseeing conferences. I currently serve as the president of the Racine Public Library Board. And also I'm a gamer. And it's kind of fascinating in that I've come up with gaming in the years. Um, born in 1975, right before the Atari 2600 came out. And when it did, it was one of those things that immediately drew me to it. I love video games. And I can tell you also that I am one of the worst players of video games. But being interested in supporting esports doesn't require you to be a great gamer in that sense. Um, I believe it was said once that some of the worst baseball players make the best managers. And I feel that even though I may not be one of the best gamers, I really feel that I'm a strong advocate for esports and, and do it in a positive way because I look at things not just from the standpoint of the gamer, but I try to look at things uh, from the whole perspective. Um, I'm also a doctoral candidate at Northern Illinois University. I have everything done but my dissertation, and my, my dissertation focus is in the field of instructional technology and design. So um, that kind of falls into um, how can we use esports in effective ways? How can we design systems that uh, leverage 
uh, proper use of esports in schools and design systems that allow us to take advantage of the benefits of having esports programs um, in our schools. And I feel it's also important to mention that um, while I am a person who would identify as a gamer, I was also in some capacity an athlete. Uh, when I was in high school, I uh, played high school football. I also was on the track team. And when I got to Purdue University, which is where I got my undergraduate degree, I also participated in the rugby team. And through various times in my life, I have played rugby as well. Uh, last time I played, uh, I'm 42 years old now, and uh, I played for the Kenosha Mammoths last uh, spring, I believe. Uh, currently, I'm not playing rugby actively, but um, I am a CrossFitter, so I uh, like to spend my days at the gym. And also, I am the father, and this is one of the most important things, I am the father of three children, and I would say each of them is a gamer in their own way. So even yesterday, um, for the first time, uh, I tried out Rocket League with my nine-year-old son. And we not only played the game, but we also watched uh, some of the uh, shoutcasts on Twitch of uh, the Rocket League itself. And it's fascinating to sit and understand that I am sitting there watching people play video games, and I'm doing that with people from around the world, but it's also something that while a parent may look at their child and say, why are you watching people play video games? As an adult, it's very often that I will find myself sitting and watching a baseball game, which some people do find incredibly boring, or I watch a football game or I'll watch a rugby match. So it's not so odd for us, I guess, to uh, watch people play video games because we watch people play games all the time. Now, a um, couple of stipulations about this podcast. One thing that I really want to avoid is long-winded podcasts, which I mean I go off on these tangents that go on for well over 20, 30 minutes. Um, the idea behind this podcast is to help, again, help educators and help people have conversations around how esports can fit um, into the school environment. And I think it's important to keep that episodes or our episodes that we will be doing we will be going through together um, less than 30 minutes um, I believe that's a big enough chunk of information to um, digest and analyze and not overwhelm people because for a lot of educators especially those I've talked to in the past who have I've, I've met at conferences or around the country um, esports is a little bit intimidating and they're not really sure what to make of it so let's develop some common language because it's very important that we have common language going into um, this podcast series. And first off, the big one is what are esports? And very simply, esports are competitive video games. It's actually playing an organized game competitively. It's very different than, say, you just playing your friend. Um, either on an Xbox or on a PC or something like that. This is uh, very similar to how we set up our sports in schools. So for example, we have sports in schools. We have an athletic director typically, and you may think of um, some very popular sports such as football, baseball, basketball, cheerleading, wrestling. These are all different kinds of sports. They're all different 
games that we play. Esports is kind of set up similarly in that um, you have esports as a big umbrella, and then you have all the things that are below it. So the different types of games. So for example, popular games that people play that are considered esports or organized competitive video game uh, sports are things like League of Legends is a game that is under the esports umbrella. Uh, Rocket League is a game that is under the esports umbrella. Overwatch is another game that is under the esports umbrella. So it really breaks everything down into, um, into subcategories. And the various games have different rules and have different setups. And it's important to know the differences between the games because some games are definitely going to be more appropriate than others uh, when you're talking about a school environment. So for example, um, one of the things that concerns a lot of people when they're talking about video games is video game violence. And if you're looking to start an esports program at your school, it's important to not start with games that are first person shooters. Um, obviously, guns in schools is a very uh, polarizing topic for many people. And when you look at a first person shooter game, it's very important to understand your um, group that you're talking to, understand your audience that you're talking to. Um, I would never um, pr promote the idea of having a first person shooter game be the first game that you dive into when you're considering esports in schools. So um, it is important to know what kind of game that we're looking at. So the big game in esports that a lot of people play all over the world is called League of Legends. Again, it is just another game that falls under that esports umbrella. And it, the best way to describe it is it's more like five on five live action chess. So you have two teams that pick their players that they're going to use on the game board and they command those players throughout the game. Along the way, there's also um, what we would call pawns in chess. They're called minions in League of Legends who are auto-generated and go out onto the board. And the idea is to capture the base of your opponents. And it's, um, it's a game that when people first look at it, they're not quite sure what to make of it. But then you start to see a lot of familiarity in the game. You start to see a lot of the strategy. When you really start to break down what the game looks like digitally um, and how the board is set up, um, it does set up very much like a chessboard in a lot of ways. There's certain strategies and things that you do similar to like what you would do in chess. And because it's five on five in live action, it requires your esports your e athletes to communicate and collaborate and uh, be critical in their thinking about what is happening in the game. So, um, and I used the term uh, athlete, esports athlete. And I use that term um, because it is important for us to, uh, when we're thinking about esports athletes, that these people, these students of ours are athletes. And in later podcasts, I want to get into, um, I actually have set aside a topic in the future to talk about, um, are esports gamers really athletes? And it's a very, it's a, it's a 
polarizing topic for a lot of people, which is surprising to think that um, that people get, can get so black and white about what is an athlete and what isn't. When I look at esports in schools and we're talking about student athletes, I believe it is important for us to have a big enough tent that we can have everybody involved. Um, there was a, a, an Instagram post that went out not too long ago by a school here in Racine called the Prairie School. And the Prairie School is a private school, great school. And they touted that 80% of their students are involved in athletics. And I thought that was fantastic that 80% of their students are involved in athletics. And then I thought more about the 20% who are not involved in athletics. And I start to wonder, and, and this isn't just because of this school, this isn't because of this, this Instagram post, but I've thought about it a lot in the past. Are we in schools giving our kids opportunities to participate in extracurriculars that meets their needs? So when we look at how athletics are set up in schools, are we allowing our students enough opportunity to participate in an activity that they would really enjoy? Now, when I was in high school, I was not only involved in athletics, but I was also involved in the band. And I was, uh, so I was a tuba player. And I was also involved in musicals. I love performance and I love being in plays. And I thought it was fantastic um, to have those opportunities. Hillsdale High School in San Mateo, California gave me a lot of opportunity to find out who I was and what I wanted to be. And while I did play football uh, in high school, and it was almost expected of me, I, I come from a family of athletes. My grandfather played um, for the New York Giants, and my dad um, did play on the freshman team at Notre Dame. And if he had uh, changed his major, could have probably been on the varsity squad at the University of Notre Dame. Um, so football was kind of something that I grew up with and was part of um, in my childhood, but um, wasn't something that wasn't something that I necessarily connected with as deeply as they did. And if I had had the opportunity to be an esports athlete in 1990. 1991, 92, 93. If I had had that opportunity then, I probably would have taken up that opportunity to be a competitive gaming athlete. And so I look at the opportunity that we have with esports to, again, broaden the tent and bring in more students who would not necessarily be um, active in their school athletics. It allows us to redefine what athletics are in our schools. And that's important in this day and age. We need to give our students uh, multiple means of participation and being part of a school culture, even more so than it was when I was a child. It seems that in this day and age, um, kids are looking for places to belong. And it's very easy for a child to escape back to their room or onto their cell phones or their iPads or their tablets and disconnect from the world and connect with people in other ways. Esports allows our students to be part of something bigger, but also plays to their interests. So yes, they can be interested in video games, but we also want to create a positive social structure around that. And as we're talking about developing that positive social structure, it is important to know that with esports, 
Uh, we're not talking about a boys team and a girls team. We're talking about a team and it doesn't have to be male or female. It is a esports is something that while in the professional ranks is very male dominated, it doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, um, last fall, I had a meeting with students at Horlick High School where we wanted to find out more from students about what they wanted to do with esports and how and and what were their interests. And just having the meeting, not actually forming the club, not actually forming a team, but just an informational meeting, a listening session in a lot of ways for a lot of us. It was an opportunity for us to see that over 40 students showed up at that meeting and a few of them were girls. And it was, and I noted that in my mind that they were there. And it's important that um, as we think of our world today and how it, it can be so fracturing, again, social media creates camps of people, is that we leverage the positivity around an esports culture that is inclusive of everybody, no matter who they are. Um, that isn't just speaking to our genders, but also to um, abilities. So um, when we think about all of our students, even students who may have uh, a disability of some kind are able to be esports athletes. They are able to participate. Um, a lot of kids who may have the best intentions or want to find athletics in certain ways may not be able to do that because of physical or mental limitations. And esports is a great way for us to level playing fields, um, even if using assistive technology tools to allow all of our students to participate, those can be used um, in games. Now, I do have a, a quote that I wish to share uh, very briefly with you all about a student who is one of our esports athletes in the city of Racine. He goes to Walden High School, and his name is Zach Woods. And Zach recently was the recipient of a collegiate scholarship to go play um, video games at Robert Morris University. And Zach's uh, quote is very telling in that it says, this shows that it doesn't really matter who you are. Major communicative events can be available to anyone. When I was younger, I did participate in things like baseball, basketball, and soccer, but these sports weren't really that fun. I liked the odd things, stuff that is different. Esports allows many different forms of competitions for just the brain. Not whoever can push someone out of the way the fastest, but actually think themselves out of situations. What I'm basically saying is that your generic nerd now has the ability to get funding for doing things they love. And it isn't just limited to the jocks who love their aggressive sports. Now that comes from somebody who has in the past a sports background, but now identifies more with their esports background. And I feel that it's, it's telling um, when they look at things that, that these are competitions that also are for the brain. Now, one of the things about esports, and I want to dispel the myth uh, very quickly, is that an esports athlete is not somebody who sits in front of a game for eight hours, sucking down Red Bull and eating Doritos and getting all the orange on their face. It's important for an esports athlete to have a balance 
in their training, um, not just playing the games, but also working with their teammates. And there's actual studies and research around how certain physical activities help train the brain. And I want to get into those in a little more depth in future episodes, but I want to give you a taste of what I'm talking about. If I were to be coach of an esports team today, uh, pick whatever game you may wish. There's a few things that I would have as far as training uh, my student esports athletes. Uh, one of those is I would involve them in, in some kind of weight training regimen. I would also include them in some kind of aerobic training. And I would encourage them to participate in some kind of meditation or yoga, something where you have to control breathing. And I say that because the brain is trained in when doing those things, weight training, aerobic training, uh, um, training your breathing. It's important to know that those are things that help you as an esports athlete. Those help you to stay calm in situations where uh, an event is a game is happening and it is an intense 20 to 30 minutes where your heart rate does spike up and it requires you to stay calm in a situation. It also helps you to um, realize that you have to look at the whole board and on the fly see a clearer picture. Um, by playing a lot of the games, you don't necessarily see the whole picture. So it's important that we understand when we're talking about an esports athlete. That we're talking about not just a child who is going to, yes, they're going to sit in front of a computer and play games, but at the same time, they have to connect in other ways too um, with their bodies. So um, I want to try to, through this podcast, dispel the notion that all esports athletes are people who just play video games and, and sit in front of a computer all day, because that's not the case at all. Um, it is also very important for schools to start to embrace this because colleges um, are also embracing esports. And they're embracing esports because they're finding it as a leveling of a playing field with schools that they used to not be able to compete with in the past to gain students. So, for example, the two schools in the United States, that, or I should say three schools, that probably do esports uh, the best when it comes to organization of their teams and getting their students and, and finding students from around the world to um, play uh, on their teams are uh, the University of California at Irvine, uh, Robert Morris University, and the University of Utah. Now the University of Utah is a big school, it's a Pac-12 school, and they've seriously um, put a lot of money and resources into their esports teams. Um, but the one that I really focus on a lot is Robert Morris University because I lived around the Chicago area for a long time and I and I heard and knew um, about Robert Morris and Robert Morris was kind of that that college that that university is that was around in the area but it wasn't anything that was really special there was nothing about it that really if I was considering um, sending a student to school I wouldn't have said hey you should go check out Robert Morris I believe at the time it was Robert Morris College and now it's Robert Morris University. But it's not something that I would have would have said, hey, to a student, you need to go check out this school. Fast forward a little bit and Robert Morris College becomes Robert Morris University. So they start to expand. And now they're looking at how do we attract students who would round out our student body and give us exemplary students. And what they found is that esports is a way for them to, through scholarship, attract students that they would have never attracted before. It's phenomenal to think that 
um, a student can have an interest, much like students have interests in football and baseball, or um, they may be academically superior, where they, they have a great mind for certain things, but the ability to play video games and take that with them to college and leverage that to participate in on a team um, and connect to a university, that's something that the big schools really haven't figured out yet. And when you think about big school football programs, I mean, you think about, for example, uh, I live in Racine, Wisconsin, so you have uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, uh, a Big Ten school. Um, you know, if, if a student is being recruited by Madison to play football, chances are they're gonna go there versus if they were gonna go to, say, um, a Whitewater, okay, University of Wisconsin Whitewater, which is a Division three school, and it's actually a very good football program. But if the student is being uh, recruited by Madison, chances are they're probably going to go to the Madison school because of the exposure and the TV contracts and the facilities. Uh, college football really is a, uh, a an arms race when we're talking about facilities. But when you look at esports, esports as far as facilities goes, you can outfit uh, a computer lab and make it a really high-end computer lab for about $250,000, which sounds like a lot of money, but when we're talking about college athletics and college programming, $250,000 isn't, isn't a, a huge chunk of funds compared to what uh, is needed to run a college-level football program. Um, but it becomes, a, again, a playing field leveler. It becomes something that the smaller schools can say, we can compete um, now with Madison or with the other big schools, and now we can bring in those students we would not have ne necessarily been able to have access to before because of the scholarship offerings, because of the attention we can pay, it, pay to them, and because of the varsity opportunities that we're giving them. So it is important for us to realize that esports and education, especially at the high school level, if we don't have these teams, then you're not going to have access to these scholarships, to these opportunities for your students. And I, we've spent in education so much money on our networks and infrastructure and technology. And it's time that we start looking at those investments in ways that allow us to uh, leverage it in new ways, in ways that are, are different for students that open up those, those avenues to higher education. You know, we talk about is a student college and career ready all the time and esports is something that does make our students college ready if not career ready because if the student is good enough at the game they could go out and be a professional esports gamer now they don't even need to leave school in order to do that they can still participate in school college whatever and be an esports athlete um, at, at, on the side so every day I, I have a, a few resources that I pull and I, and I curate, and it seems that every day I get my rundown of, of what's the latest news in eSports. And it's a, it's a college. And I'm not talking about a big college. Now, last week, uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison did announce that they are launching an eSports um, department program. Um, at the school, it'll be officially sanctioned by the athletic department, which I think is a big deal because that comes that that leads to additional funding. Um, but I see every time, every day, it seems there is a new small college or small university that is investing in esports and bringing more kids opportunity 
for scholarship and to participate um, on these teams. Um, it is a fascinating time for us to be in education. It is a fascinating time um, for high schools to look at and how they can bring esports into their into their environments. Um, this podcast again is going to be something that I hope gives you a little more insight and thought into what esports potentially can be for your school. And I'm really looking forward to having this journey and taking you on this journey with me. So, so this is the Academy of Esports podcast. I look forward to sharing all these great things that are happening with esports and education. And I look forward to being on the journey with you. My name is James O'Hagan, and thank you for listening.